Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. Merry Christmas. Well, we missed our Halloween episode, but we couldn't miss Christmas. That's why we're producing this story right before Thanksgiving. Huh? (laughs) Actually, it gets more confusing than that. Today's episode covers the bases of Halloween, Christmas, and Kwanzaa too, among others. You'll see what I mean. Just keep listening. Today's story was written by Laura Van Arendonk Ba. Laura Van Arendonk Ba is an award-winning writer of speculative fiction, mystery, and nonfiction. Her work has earned numerous accolades, including the Realm Award for Best Fantasy, a semi-finalist spot in Spiffbo's Best Fantasy, three-star the highest possible ratings on Tangent's recommended reading list, and praise from Publishers Weekly. Laura speaks professionally on everything from her day job as a professional animal trainer and behavior consultant to award-winning costuming. She enjoys hiking, geeking, chocolate, and making her imaginary friends fight each other for imaginary reasons. I've enjoyed her Shard of Elon series, The Song Weaver's Vow, as well as her Robin Archer stories. There's an incredible amount of books and stories from Laura, and you can find them all at www.lauravab.com. That's lauravab.com. Check the show notes for all the direct links. This story was originally published in the short story anthology, Mrs. Claus, Not the Fairy Tale They Say, edited by Rhonda Parrish and published by World Weaver Press. Our narrator today is Kristen L. Norman, expert lockdown teacher and author of the book An Attempt at Writing, a short story compilation. You can find a link to her Facebook page in the show notes. Because this is an audio production, it is important to note that today's story prominently features a type of spirit called a white. That's W-I-G-H-T. So, without further ado, The Untold Podcast presents White Christmas by Laura Van Arendonk Ba. It had been a long time since I'd attended the council, so I suppose I should have anticipated that not everyone would recognize me. Still, I wasn't expecting to be challenged by a vampire bodyguard. Nobody gets close to the Skeleton King, he growled, putting an arm across the elevator door. I didn't care if I were close to the Skeleton King, who, by the way, isn't a king at all, because Halloween isn't a kingdom and so doesn't have a monarch. He is, of course, a skeleton, but that hardly makes him special but I did care that if I didn't take this elevator, I was going to be late. I could have appealed to the dark-suited skeleton king standing in the back corner of the elevator with another vampire goon, but he was on his phone, and I didn't want to bother him. Also, there's something to be said for taking care of your own problems, and I didn't want to appeal for permission to enter the elevator I'd been riding long before this vamp was undead. I put a hand on his arm to gently but firmly lift it out of my way and started to step inside. The vampire twisted to plant a hand on my solar plexus and shoved hard. I stumbled back against the brick wall, opposite the elevator door, more surprised by the audacity than hurt by the attack itself. 
Vampire goon came after me, kicking over one of several trash cans lined up in the ill-lit alley. It was one of the old metal kind, and it clattered over the cement and spat refuse as its lids skittered free. The movement and noise pulled the skeleton king from his phone call, and while it's harder to read a face with no eyebrows, his posture definitely stiffened, even for a figure made entirely of bone. Frank, he said, taking a step out of his corner. I think you should. That is Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus? Frank the vampire bodyguard didn't seem to get it. <laughs> What's she doing here? She's not the big man. He sneered, showing canines. Go home and bake some cookies, Mrs. Claus. Maybe watch some cake, boss. I stomped on the upturned rim of the metal trash can lid, flipping it into the air, and caught the handle left-handed as it rotated toward me. I punched it solidly into his face and felt a satisfyingly solid connection. Shield boss, actually, I quipped. But he didn't catch my terrible pun, because he was busy stumbling backward and trying to stay conscious. The Skeleton King sighed. Don't ask me how. Paranormal biology is not my field of expertise, except the part about opening things up for easier examination, and made an excuse into the phone before hanging up. The second bodyguard was already protectively stepping between his employer and me, but the Skeleton King pushed past him to address the first. Frank. But Frank's blood was up, or whatever you call it, in vampires, and shaking off the pain and disorientation, he came at me with bared fangs and extended fingers, hooked like talons. I swept his arms with a quick shield circle, which broke one of his wrists and then caught him under the chin with the heel of my right hand, lifting him from the cement as I stepped forward. I curled my fingers over his now very closed mouth and threw him on his back. Wait, tried the king. But Frank wasn't the only one whose blood was up, and I was already in motion. I whirled the makeshift shield around and slammed the rim into Frank's face. They both dented. Sparkle that, I said. It wasn't my best line, and it was really just petty, but I was annoyed. The Skeleton King's shoulders dropped. <sighs> it was his first week. I tossed aside the misshapen trash can lid and pointed at the damaged vampire. He started it. He didn't know who you were. Maybe you should give your goons some sort of manual when you hire them, so they can read up on what they're supposed to be doing and who they might be dealing with. Then they won't walk up and pick a fight with the Valkyra. I looked at the second bodyguard, who seemed uncertain if he should be trying to intervene himself between me and his principal. Yes, I said. In case you didn't do any more homework than Frank, I'm a Valkyrie. Might want to remember that the next time you think about some sort of baking joke. Second bodyguard glanced from me to his boss and then back at me, giving a quick jerky nod. Great. Now that that's finished, can we share the elevator? Council meeting isn't going to wait on account of Frank. The king gestured. Step in. We left Frank to his eventual recovery and rode up 87 floors to the council's meeting place. A long, expensive table in a large, expensive room surrounded by expensive windows overlooking an expensive view. It was like a board meeting for the very worst of Hollywood corporate villains, except that we weren't a board. Or villains. Some of us have better publicity or methods than others, true, but all of us have the best of intentions. I'm probably the iffiest of the lot, because I didn't come in for a good cause, but by marriage. This was already a bit odd, as few of the other council members are married, and if you know anything about Valkyries, you know we're not exactly an embodiment of the Christmas spirit. 
But Nick had enough political clout and general accrued goodwill that no one made too much of a fuss about it. You may have heard about Santa Claus, having some attributes of the Norse god Odin, the beard and the flying and the frozen North address. He got those associations through me. The table was mostly full when the Skeleton King, excuse me, Halloween, and I entered. I took a seat between Easter and Administrative Professionals Day. When gathered, we are known by the holidays we represent, rather than by our own names. It saves confusion when times change and representative entities shift or are replaced. The years of the Easter Paschal controversy were particularly difficult. Ah, welcome Christmas and Halloween, said this year's chair, National Tartan Day. He was nervous in his post, probably not accustomed to this much concentrated attention. He was one of the newer days of recognition, rather than a proper holiday, admitted under our recent inclusion program. Now we can begin. I bided my time for the administrative trivia and general catching up on old business. It was about half an hour or so before we were ready for new business. Christmas, you have something to put forward. I do, Mr. Chair. Someone is making war on Christmas. The room went quiet and all focused on me. National Tartan Day was not prepared to deal with new business of this magnitude. What? War? How? A dozen shipments of toys have been destroyed along western North America, and several of our elves riding along to monitor the cargo and confirm inventory at delivery were injured or killed. There is no connection between these separate cargoes except their designation as Christmas seasonal stock. For a moment, no one spoke. Then several entities began speaking at once. It had been a long while since we had been actively engaged in war. Many of our younger members had never seen it. One voice rose above the others. Do you have any evidence, or are you just trying to get attention? Well, if today wasn't turning out to be a day for stretching patience, I gave National Raisin Day a flat look and said, Do you really want to take this line? I believe Christmas, Kwanzaa said in a warning tone. This wouldn't be the first time. I don't remember those days myself, but I've read the history. What happened? persisted National Raisin Day. Did someone put up an evergreen? Instead of a nativity scene? I was saved from answering by Kwanzaa's deep rumble. Cromwell. Spit when you say that name, I said. But let's not waste time on history. The most recent attack was last night. If this is so dire, asked Purim, without accusation, why are you here to speak as Christmas instead of your husband? Nick is handling the recovery side of things, I answered. He's better at organizing additional shifts, supply chains, updating the databases, making sure the children are taken care of. I'm better at dealing with conflict, taking names, and running out of bubblegum. True. Observed Halloween flatly. Arr, he has some sense to what you say, matey. Came a new voice. I turned to answer, speak like a pirate day. Not specifically, no. But it's something more than mundane human work. Those shipments had elf escorts, as I mentioned, and they ended up injured or dead. Humans would have a hard time doing that with modern tools and practices if they even noticed them. Out of consideration, I add, Arr. Uh, how were they harmed? This was from Halloween. Three were crushed as by a massive hammer. One is alive but unable to talk. Another is wholly mad, giggling and incapable of rational speech. And one... One was eaten. We found his head and an arm 
with visible signs of rending and gnawing. Halloween looked as unhappy as a fleshless skull can look. <sighs> I too had some new business to report, and I fear it may be connected. We've lost some whites. What? There were gasps or confusion from all around. He held up a hand and began to explain. <sighs> In today's world, many of our creatures are extinct or endangered. Some can repopulate quickly, like vampires turning fresh recruits. Others reproduce slowly, and we have organized a conservation program with some success. One of our newer programs is concentrated on breeding and releasing young whites. And you've lost them? asked Easter. There was a significant drop in our shepherd counts. I was going to request help in trafficking them if anyone could spare time or manpower. And you think some of them might have gone after our toys and elves? I asked. He raised and lowered his bony shoulders within his dark suit. Those injuries are consistent with white attacks. It's worth considering. Why would young whites steal toys? Asked Perrin. What would they want out of that? <sighs> the heart. Halloween answered heavily. Whites often crave the emotion and trappings of human life. They want friendship, joy, love, the possessions born of wealth. Christmas is not a natural target, but it's an understandable one. They want the heart of the holiday. I nodded. I think I'd better see this breeding program. The Skeleton King and I took the low road to the hatchery. I wasn't sure entirely what to expect. For one thing, I found it hard to understand why we were deliberately breeding the things. I decided the best way to learn the answer was to ask the question. Why are you breeding whites in today's world? Oh, predators are important, the King said. They are critical to a natural balance. When humans drive foxes out of an area, the expanding rodent population spreads more disease to the humans. Predators keep worse things in check. Ah, I said. And do dark, supernatural predators keep disease in check? Mm, of a kind, the king said. Say a group of young adults go camping in the woods. Let's say they are a jock concerned solely with his popularity, a girl who curries sexual favor by socially humiliating others, such as the nerdy outcast tagging along in the hopes of friendship, and a kind girl who finds unexpected strength in herself at the time of need. Monsters attack in the night. Who survives? The kind girl, of course. The king nodded. And so humanity is cold of the least altruistic and the most unfit. Social disease is curtailed. But surely these predators kill some nice kids, too. The king shrugged. Barn cats kill songbirds as well, but you wouldn't give the grain over to mice just for that. We emerged on a mountain ledge, looking over a long snow-covered slope, interrupted at irregular intervals with mounds of various shapes and sizes. I had learned the sport long before it was a sport, 
merely a method of travel, so it took me a moment to recognize what I saw. This is a ski run, I realized aloud. Moguls. You're raising the little whites in moguls? <laughs> a whole farm of tiny hills. It's perfect. The king grinned his ubiquitous grin at me. Now I'm going to call our shepherd, the one who oversees this brood of younglings. But you may wish to prepare yourself. He is not a young white. He is an older thing. And most find him disturbing. I gave him a grin of my own. I used to weave fate out of the bloody intestines of men, using their skulls as loom weights. I am prepared to meet your shepherd. The skeleton king nodded and stamped his foot three times. I felt it with some sense I couldn't name. An unsettling movement far beneath my feet, like a shark swimming beneath a boat. I let one hand fall on my axe, and turned to follow the sensation as it rippled through the earth. He rose out of the ground as smoke rises out of flame, uncoiling to a full height, almost certainly greater than it had been in life. His flesh was dark blue and faintly soft, as if it had considered rotting after death but decided against it. His hair was indigo and ratted into chunks, matted with dried gore. The skeleton king turned toward me, perhaps hoping for a reaction despite my brave assurance of a moment before. But if so, he was disappointed, as I addressed the white shepherd. You're not merely a white. You're a dragor. A dragor is an undead thing from my own world, a Norse man who did not fall down when he died, and who did not stay quiet in his grave. They could be fearsome things, murdering folk or driving them mad, and they were better known for killing livestock than shepherding them. I wondered how this one had come to be given responsibility for the young whites. His blue lips parted in an acknowledging smile, and he gave a little mocking bow. Ah, indeed. You are not as ignorant as most humans. That's because I wasn't human, but he would figure that out soon enough and it would count more if I let him work it out himself. In his defense, I can pass more easily than an oversized blue undead warrior, but still, he had assumed. My lord, he was saying to the skeleton king, what brings you today, and why bring a human woman? The skeleton king's bony expression somehow managed to look pained, and I had the delightful idea that most of Halloween's staff were going to be sent through a couple hours of compulsory sensitivity training. I came to introduce you, he said, gesturing between the dragar and me. This is like, like this is Mrs. Claus. She has some questions about the missing whites. The dragar looked at me and did the math, and I saw not human register in his eyes. Good. He gave me a small nod of acknowledgement and got on with the problem at hand, which was also good. Have they made their way to the North Pole? That seems unlikely. I'm worried they made their way to several shipments of toys and killed some of our elves, I said. That got his attention. He was old enough to remember the holiday wars. I hope that's not the case. When did this happen? The last one was two nights ago. An entire truck of donated toys for a domestic abuse shelter was overturned on the highway not 20 miles from here. The driver died in the accident, but my elves were taken out by something else. I reviewed the details of injury, madness, and death. 
The Dragar nodded. <sighs> that is unfortunate. And I am afraid I did notice some whites missing three days ago. They could have made their way to the city and found your truck. How are they getting out? <clears throat> I don't know yet. How do we get them back? How do you catch anything you don't want to chase down? Asked Like. A trap, obviously. Traps require bait. The Skeleton King shifted. You have toys. <laughs> and lives. I'm not putting my elves at deliberate risk. Elfer aren't anything like the ankle-high, ruddy-cheeked, delicate little flowers of standard North Pole art. But they aren't invulnerable either, and fighting off Halloween isn't in their job description. Like gave me a flat indigo glare. Of course not, Valkyra. We go ourselves. We sat on the framework of a giant crane, sleeping now after its daily work of stacking shipping containers. The position gave us a decent vantage of the docks and warehouse space below. Two shipments had gone wrong here, and we were keeping a particular eye on Warehouse 25, which held several hundred tons of dolls, cars, and whatever electronic beeping things were big this year. I don't keep up on this stuff. Making kids happy is Nick's job. I make Nick happy. It's a good system. Like and I sat companionably in the dark, waiting. It wasn't awkward. I was a Valkyrie, a chooser of the slain, and he was the slain. We had more in common than you'd think. So you were a Valkyra? Am a Valkyra. I just don't get called into work as often these days. And you married Santa? Nicholas is what he goes by most often now. Yes. But Nicholas was a Christian bishop, at least for a span of years. Yes. Bishops can't have wives. Or sex. I nodded. Frock blocked. <laughs> Likes explosive laughter boomed across the parking lot, shattering any pretense of concealment or stealth. He slapped his bare knee and threw his head back, laughing freely as any dead and drunk warrior in Valhall. A man crossing the parking lot below looked up at the sound of Like's laughter, but it didn't concern him or disrupt his course toward the manager's hut. He wasn't someone who was afraid of being seen then, but he didn't exactly belong here, either. Not with a three-piece suit and expensive shoes that definitely did not have steel-toe caps. The guy was a walking OSHA violation. I nudged Like and pointed him out. Like frowned. He doesn't walk like a thief. How does a thief walk? It's hard to be specific, but generally not in a direct line across a well-lit, empty field. He's not afraid of any security cameras, I'll give you that. Let's find out why he's here. 
We descended the crane and followed the man toward the hut, keeping more to the shadows than he bothered to do. He didn't notice. We were both death, and humans so very rarely notice death coming behind. We arrived at the hut shortly after the customary greetings. An overweight foreman, or manager, was sitting back in his chair, trying hard to look dismissive. I don't see why you people are involved. Workplace safety is very much our concern, Mr. Stephanos. There's been a series of serious accidents here. Falling containers are potentially lethal. Ah, you don't have to tell me the danger, but the point is, no one got hurt. No one human, anyway. It's unlikely these men would have seen the injured elves, or understood what they saw. This was interesting news. If our elves had been struck by falling containers, that meant they had not been squeezed or sat upon by whites, and that opened the possibility that they had not been killed by whites. Like beside me was doing the same deductions and reaching the same conclusions. <laughs> not my whites after all, he mused quietly. Let's find out why the containers fell, I answered, not yet willing to absolve Halloween completely. The suit was asking about cleanup and complaining about lost time. Don't be ridiculous, answered Stephanos. I'm not going to pay a dozen men union wages to pick up broken plastic and circuit boards, not when I could just put one guy on a front loader with a rig brush and push it all off the dock in a half an hour. You pushed it where? What doesn't sink gets carried out pretty quickly by the currents here. It's a big ocean. No one's going to complain, and anyone who might can't track it back here. Okay, if the possible Elfer murders might not have me on this guy's case, this did. It's not that the supernatural community is all ultra-green and tree-hugging by nature, but you have to realize, many of us remember a time before the Industrial Revolution. We know what water tastes like without being filtered and chlorinated and fluoridated. We remember breathing truly clean air, something which no human today can say. And even more, we're going to have to live with this mess far longer than the humans making it. So yeah, this guy was getting on my naughty list real solid. Besides, you know how cheap that stuff really is before markup. It's easier to just report it damage and get a new container. More sales for the manufacturer, more write-offs for the buyer, more hours for the worker, publicity on a shortage, prices go up, everybody wins. Money makes the world go round. Well, if that wasn't the cheeriest of Christmas wishes, more sweatshop hours and an enlarged coastline for the continent of plastic. Like didn't have my personal take on Christmas cheer, but he was not any happier about this scenario. I do not like this man. I was about to answer when the desk phone rang, and I shut up to hear the foreman's half of the conversation. Hello? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we're doing fine. Right on schedule. Everything ticking. Plenty of product for November sales. No worries. A bang like a slamming door came from behind us, from one of the warehouses. I felt a rush of chagrin. We were supposed to be watching the toys, and turned toward them. We let ourselves be distracted. Like was already moving, too. The unshielded sodium security lights were bright enough to eliminate the stars above, but through their glare we could grasp a hint of shadow near Warehouse 25. We ran toward it, silent in the night, silent like death. Suddenly, Like flung an arm out to block my way. Wait! He cautioned, stopping. Whites! He pointed, and I could see them. About a dozen crouched together in the lee of the security light. The whites were about waist-high, 
and like all creatures were cuter as young than as grown things. These had large, luminous eyes and petite, soil-colored limbs, and they looked like little twisted child corpses instead of man corpses. They were pushing something into their mouths with little snarls of protest. Rats. Like said. They won't like those. They're hungry, they'll eat them, but they won't be satisfied. Still, you could charge the docks for extermination services. I frowned. Did this mean my elves were killed by whites after all? It was true a few had come back mad, not injured. A falling container could not have done that. And that was classic white work. The little child whites growled and shifted and looked down at the base of the building, where every few seconds a rat emerged and one of them pounced at it, snatching with malformed fingers and biting to subdue it. What stupid rats, I said, to keep rushing out into predators? There was the space of a couple of heartbeats, and then Lyke and I looked at each other and started along the long wall of the warehouse until we came to a door. We leaned close to the gap where the door track met the wall and sniffed. Smoke. Why is there no alarm? I wondered aloud, and then answered myself. Why was there no safety chain on the fallen containers? These are no accidents. Someone is destroying product. I have to gather my whites, said Like. I have to save these toys. I looked around and spotted a signal box. It took me only a few seconds to reach it, smash the protective covering, and yank the level to start the fire alarm. No! At the end of the warehouse, pint-sized whites scattered beneath the blaring alarm, ducking away from the sound and scurrying in all directions. Like turned from one disappearing shadow to another, unable to follow them all as they disappeared into the different patches of darkness. Stephanos, in the expensive suit, ran from the trailer, shouting and raising their phones to dial. Like swore in an outdated language and plunged into darkness after the whites. A few minutes later, he returned, still cursing. Why did you scare them off like that? I didn't mean to scare them. I meant to get help to stop the fire. That's why I'm here, to protect the toys. I'm here to retrieve my whites, and you've just scattered them across the whole dock complex. Sirens began to grow in volume, drawing nearer. Like squore again. We'll never find them in all this noise and commotion. The morning news had the relevant details. Gadget Mon School handheld games, this year's hottest holiday gift electronic, will be in shorter supply following a disastrous warehouse fire. Not so disastrous. Like and I had watched the firefighters arrive, had observed them combat and assess the fire, had stayed until the last trucks had departed, and only the paperwork remained undone. And only a dozen containers were lost of the hundreds in the warehouse but no newswriter ever held a job by reporting mild events. Meanwhile, the effect was already rippling across the country. Prices of Gadgetmon school games had already climbed a couple of dollars on average, and pre-orders had jumped. Scarcity has a marvelous effect on desire. Like was still angry. 
They were all there in one place. Just a few minutes, and I could have collected them. You don't know that they were all in one place. You saw one group, not the same thing. And a few minutes can make a huge difference in a fire. We needed to save those toys and make kids happy. (sighs) Toys don't make kids happy. Like snapped. We celebrated a lot of Yules without your silly electronic machines. You know what makes kids happy? Not being eaten by whites. I crossed my arms. Is that likely? (sighs) Rats aren't their natural diet. They're going to look for something else soon if they haven't already. I leveled a finger. Your whites touch my kids and... (laughs) Your kids? Inwardly, I was taken aback. They weren't my kids. Not literally or figuratively. Nick was the one who took care of the kids. But outwardly, I showed nothing. You know what I mean. Christmas doesn't look kindly on eating children. That's not what we're about. No. He agreed sourly. Apparently, you're about replacing expensive toys with more expensive toys. Of course not. That wasn't Christmas at all. We... Wait a minute. I pulled my phone and thumbed to the Maps app. What will draw your whites? People working late? Warehouses full of rats? Anything to do with crossroads or travel? Like, caught by my change in tone, frowned and answered seriously. Crossroads don't matter to them, but the night workers and rats might. What are you thinking of? I found what I was looking for on the map. A perfect match. If your whites are following my vandal, I know where they'll be tonight. Gadgetmon School Electronic Games came in from overseas via the shipping containers and enormous freight ships and were brought to a trucking distribution center where thousands of containers were unloaded and the cargo separated into semi-trucks to be driven hundreds of thousands of miles to waiting retail. This was a logical place for another mass destruction of toys, but with a hundred loading docks and sprawling parking and truck lanes, it was going to be hard to find either. We prowled through the dark, our eyes and ears alert for both likes, whites, and signs of intrusion. The air reeked of diesel fumes and cigarette smoke. An efficient locomotive can move a ton of freight over 400 miles on a single gallon of fuel. But Americans do love their roads and trucks. Seems odd to me that anyone would add dozens of trucks to their morning traffic in order to avoid an occasional stop at a railroad crossing. But my rides are a flying horse and a sleigh pulled by magic reindeer, so I suppose I don't get a vote. A man in a plaid shirt, suspenders, and work boots climbed down from the truck cab after backing it to a loading dock and made his way to a walk door. As the door closed behind him, a black shadow moved in the wrong direction for the escaping light. There, I said, pointing. That might be one of yours. Like turned in the direction I indicated and nodded. So how do you get them back? When I have them all in one place, I'll lead them home, he said. Like a shepherd. But we need to find them all first. You're just going to wait for them to show up? I have a white whistle. They would come to that. Then why haven't you used it already? Because they would come expecting food and ready to eat. And you don't happen to have any white biscuits handy? Or would... Oh. Oh. Like nodded. 
Anyone in the way between them and the whistle would likely be killed. Since I don't know where they are, I don't know who would be at risk. Better sit on that idea for a while, then. A man in a black t-shirt, picturing oversized dice, left a car parked well away from the trucks. Nothing troubled him before he reached an office door. Whatever whites were here, they weren't hungry or bold to the point of attacking adult humans. Yet. He was inside only a few moments before a woman opened the door and held it for him to exit, now holding a stack of mildly dented board game boxes. I just can't thank you enough, he said. The kids at the ministry are going to love these. The woman with him shrugged and waved her hand dismissively. They're damaged. They're no good as product. Trash them or donate them, and who would throw away stuff that could be used somewhere? You're welcome to them. Oh, again, thank you, said the man, balancing the games to shake her hand. The woman went back inside, and the dice man started back to his car without a backward glance. A tremor passed through the air, raising the hair on my neck and pushing my hand toward my axe. Beside me, Like swore vehemently, angry instead of startled. What is that? I asked him. A white whistle. Someone's calling my whites. They came from the shadows, lurching up through the grassy dividers of the parking lot and flooded over the man in the black shirt. The board games hit the ground and he collapsed on them, writhing beneath the swarm of ravenous whites. Do something, I snapped, pulling my axe. Like caught my forearm. There's nothing to be done. They're killing him. No, they're eating him. He's already dead. He was telling the truth. The man's spasmodic twitching was not his own, but the action of a dozen whites tearing at him from all angles. I released my axe with an effort. I thought you were a white shepherd. A shepherd, yes, but not their master. I cannot stop them from feeding once they've begun. He sounded a little regretful and a little defensive and very angry. But someone called them here, called them to that man. Someone is using them, perhaps even stole them from my keeping. Well, you said you needed them in one place to collect them, I growled. There they are. And then I realized I had missed my own opportunity. Who called them? Where is he? The whites had come up from everywhere, it seemed, but for the most part they had been farther into the parking lot than their victim. Like had said they would attack anyone between them and the source of the call. That meant the whistler was in the building. Goodwill, charity, and free product? My earlier suspicion grew stronger. I turned back for the door. I was halfway there when I noticed Like beside me again. I thought you were taking care of your whites, I said. They will finish feeding and then settle down in place, he said. It will be easy to find them when I return. I can help you find your quarry as well. Thanks. We slipped through the walk door behind a woman exiting with cigarette pack already in hand and hurried across the open warehouse lane to the forest of stacked and waiting pallets. It was a glorious place for concealment, both for us and for any lurking malefactor and I tried to listen over the steady background noise of whirring forklifts and talking workers. I still wasn't certain of what we were looking for. This could be someone deliberately destroying holiday retail product, 
even freebies donated to charity, or it could be an ordinary vandalizing psychopath who had somehow happened to get control of some deadly supernatural predators, we couldn't draw conclusions just yet. We went on, looking without knowing what we were looking for. We could hear workers calling greetings and instructions. Twice we stepped behind stacks of freight as forklifts whirred past. But then we heard a new sound, a perilously off-key carol. They pay in exchange for loot, not from a sled. Easy credit frees us. It goes to my head. Like and I looked at each other and dropped into predatory crouches, needing no words as we split apart to approach from two angles. With cards running high and just minimums to pay, they'll owe quite a lot for many a day. A figure sat cross-legged on a low pallet of dog food cans, a tablet balanced on his lap. Two cents more each, he mused happily. Doesn't seem like much, but it adds up fast. Three percent hike here, thank you, lovely, lovely. The price must flow, it's going to be a big year. This last was the sound of my hand catching his throat from behind, lifting him from his perch and swinging him around to bounce off a tall stack of cat litter boxes. He dropped to the concrete floor in a confused heap and looked up, eyes wide. He wore a suit, which would have been at home in any Wall Street boardroom, but for its eccentric green tone and gold accents. Gold glittered everywhere, from his cufflinks to his tie tack to his watch to his teeth. I stood over him. Black Friday. He grinned. (laughs) Using my council name makes this council business. He's always been there, of course, but only recently did he achieve a day of recognition and so win a place at the council. The council already knows I'm looking for what's plaguing our toys, I said. I'm not plaguing them, he protested. I'm making them more valuable. Those kids who would have been merely happy to receive a Gadgetmon school game are now going to be ecstatic, because as of today, it's rare, a status symbol. I snatched him off the ground by his very expensive silk collar. Christmas isn't about status symbols. I bounced him off the cat litter. And those board games? He flinched as he hit the cat litter boxes, but managed to grin at me anyway. Those games were free, not worth anything. Without them, people have to buy games for the needy kids. Encourages charity. You should be happy. You killed a man. (laughs) Now there can be a big toy drive in his memory, and the kids will get more games than just those donated few. Maybe even a local corporate donation for free advertising, and Everyone will feel so tragic and loving as they donate all the warm fuzzies you Christmas lots want. You should be thanking me. Warm fuzzies, I repeated. Warm fuzzies? His grin faltered. Christmas is not about warm fuzzies, I snarled. Christmas is about joy, about hope, about redemption. It's about peace. Goodwill, forgiveness, and above all, it's about love. Powerful love. Incomprehensible love. Even those who do not celebrate the Christ Mass still remember these and respect them. Christmas gifts are not about status symbols or cost. They are about love. I leaned close to his worried eyes. And you 
have made them about greed and death. He rallied defensively. You only want to criticize capitalism. Just another whiner who wants to feel morally superior to those who make their living possible. There's nothing wrong with capitalism until it starts destroying what you first wanted money to protect. Good business provides means to raise a family, build a community, preserve the land which feeds and nurtures us. It's commercialism which sacrifices family for work, exploits a community, poisons the land future generations need. I held his gaze and hardened my voice. Which destroys the happiness of children. Maybe starts a war. Don't do anything hasty. He grabbed for a golden whistle hanging from a gaudy chain about his neck and raised it to his lips. I'll blow this and call the young whites from outside. They'll come to it and find the workers in here. It'll be a Christmas massacre. I rolled my eyes. You won't do any such thing. Oh? Why wouldn't I? For one thing, if you blow that whistle, the nearest white to you would respond. I nodded to my left, where Like was standing and listening. Black Friday's vision had been filled with an angry Valkyra, and he hadn't noticed Like join us. His expression when he saw him now was quite satisfying. For another thing, if you blow that and set the whites on the workers here, you'll cause a massacre, as you said. Most humans won't know what caused it, but it will certainly grab their attention. That kind of workplace-related death combined with last night's fire and the container accidents, which will certainly come out on investigation, will cause more investigations and safety checks and security protocols at shipping centers all over the country. Everything will slow down, costs will go up, and businesses will falter. Profits will drop. I touched the nerve. I could see the war in his eyes, the desperate want to strike at me, and the absolute horror of damaging commercial interest. He was trapped. Like frowned at him. He's not so different from us, he said to me. I fought for gold and wealth when I was alive. You did, I agreed, and you wore it proudly. And then your status was measured by how much you gave away to those who served you. Ring giver. Like nodded. Yes, that is what we called our kings and chiefs. Coin spiller. Breaker of hordes. You are right. And who is the greatest ring giver? He who gives the most? I grinned proudly. Like snorted, but nodded in acknowledgement. <laughs> Christmas. Black Friday made a face of disgust, and I rattled him a little against the cat litter again. So, what do we do with him? Asked Like. I sighed. <sighs> Nick wouldn't want me to hurt him. Love and forgiveness and the spirit of the season and all that. Well, that's depressing, said Like. I don't think so, piped Black Friday. I turned to Black Friday. But Nick isn't here, is he? I leaned close. And you killed my elves. I saw him realize for the first time that his shortcuts to commercial demand had opened blood feud with a Valkyra. I... that was... I drew my axe, and with a short, quick motion, swung it down into his foot. He screamed. 
I waited a few seconds and then pulled my axe free, making him cry out again as blood ran out of his ostentatious shoe and into a pile of spilled litter on the floor. You should be more careful in the future. You know how expensive workplace accidents can be. He gritted his teeth. <laughs> we, we can work this out. Make a deal. Not everything is about a deal. For the kids. He, he would like that, right? Nicholas, he, he'd approve. I considered. Yes, the little money-grubbing nose-dripping was right. Nick would probably want to settle this more peaceably and with some benefit to the kids. And no one wanted another holiday war. All right, then. Let's talk. And that is why you'll see that cripplingly deep discount toy sale this holiday shopping season. You're welcome. Like led his satiated charges back to the mogul run and shooed them into their little hills as snow began to fall on the slope. I watched them disappear, not terribly sorry to see what I hoped was the last of them. I've got nothing against carnivorous supernatural creatures, but I prefer them older and able to carry on a conversation. When they were all tucked safely into bed, Like turned to me. I still say you should have let me crush him and drink his blood, he said bluntly. He'll make trouble in the future. Of course he will, I agreed. But I can't take action for what he hasn't yet done, and I believe he'll be less destructive and more subtle the next time. We'll just have to keep an eye out for his work, I grinned. And I do look forward to his next appearance at the council. That should be interesting. Hmm, indeed. Like extended an arm. It was an unexpected pleasure to work with you. And with you, I answered. Thank you for your help. I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a joyous Yule. We shook hands as the snow drifted down around us. Then he sank into the ground, and I started back down the mountain, trying to pick up enough signal to flag an Uber ride. We still had a lot to do before Christmas.
And that was our story. I hope you liked it. I read this short story last year, and as soon as Laura Van Arendonk Ba personified Black Friday, I knew I wanted to produce it for the show. Embodying Black Friday against a member of Christmas is a rather brilliant move. It creates a clear and distinct line between the beautiful, loving holiday and the rampant materialism that everyone rallies against and yet somehow participates in every year. Great stuff. Before we go, remember that... This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Please remember to like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, blog about us, leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find us. Support us on Patreon and tell your friends. The Untold Podcast has been funded by Jason Brennan, Richard Zhang, Jen Finelli, Fred Heimbaugh, Clayton Webb, Parker J. Cole, Laura Van Arendonk Ba, Amy Winters Voss, Mike and Andrew Williams, Spirit Blade Productions, The Retro Rewind Podcast, Rudy Diaz, Jackie Hanna, Deborah Dunson, Amanda St. John, G.S. Muse, and Nathan and Casey Butler. Until next time, I'm Nathan James Norman, reminding you this holiday season, Christmas doesn't look kindly on eating children. Here we are again, cheers to each other. Looking at my friends, can't believe we made it through. This year's been a crazy ride. But this year's gonna end on the upside. Jingle bus, baby.